0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's wonderful to, to see you. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining with us this morning, um, and thank you to Jonathan and Jack for leading us uh, so far in our service, and the guys at the back, and Susan as she heads out with the kids, and everyone who was here uh, on Friday evening to decorate. And uh, there's, there's been a lot happening, so thank you so much for everyone who's been taking part. And, and it's wonderful to see you if you're regularly with us or just here as a guest. It's wonderful uh, to have you with us this morning. Um, as we as we enter into Advent. The season of Christmas, we, we celebrate Christmas, don't we? We celebrate christ This is the season of celebrating uh, Jesus coming to our earth to save us. And, and I wonder what your, your heart and mind are full of as you enter into this season. Maybe it's anticipation, excitement, joy. <laughs> uh, as you hear the carols ring out again, that just, that boys your spirit. Maybe actually you're entering into this season for this year in 2022 with uncertainty. Maybe it's how all the plans will come together or, or worry as to whether the bank balance will stretch through to January. Um, maybe it's grief as you contemplate the very stark and tangible reality of the loss of someone dear who won't be joining the celebrations this year. Maybe it's actually a little bit of dread as you walk into what this season has for us and everyone else seems to be having a wonderful Instagram life and a, and a superb, decorative, you know, wondrous display in their house. And you think, what is this all about? Maybe it's just simply apathy. It's, is it really Christmas? The 4th of December is just another day. Well, well all of those things are possible, and I recognize that. And so, so the, the reason I say all that is that I'm not intending then to barge into all of those potential emotions, like, like the Coca-Cola truck, like firing in all glitz and Christmassy glamour and sparkle, and, and assume that everyone is as excited about this season as some of us are. Um, that that isn't quite what we're here for. That certainly isn't why we're going to be gathering here over the next number of Sundays, over all of the events that we have through December. Uh, We don't gather to celebrate the glitz of Christmas. No, we, we gather around God's word to celebrate the joy of Christmas. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the word made flesh. That is what we are here to celebrate. And that's hopefully what we're going to be turning to as we engage in God's word every time that we gather. And so, so as we do, this isn't some kind of Emotional sentimentality that we're trying to drum up. All right, we we want to be joyful about Christmas. Yes, absolutely. But we're joyful about Christmas because we know the true meaning of Christmas. And so my prayer for these weeks is that we will we will somehow see through all the extra stuff that gets tagged on sometimes to Christmas. Now some of that stuff is good and worthwhile, right? You, you, you know me. Those of you who have been around here a few years, you know me well enough that, that like I had to contain myself from putting on the Christmas jumper. You know, th- th- like that's that that's who I, So I'm not against. The, the season of happiness and joy. But as long as that season of happiness and joy for us as Bible-believing Christians, it is rooted in the joy of God-made flesh among us. And so my prayer is that we will celebrate once again the true meaning of Christmas. Um, and for those of us who gathered on Wednesday evening for the prayer meeting, we, we recognize the reality that, that for many of us, the, the familiarity of the Christmas season and even the Christmas story is a risk to us, that, that, that it's somehow, we, we've somehow allowed the wonder to wane at this incredible, uh, incredible story that we have to share, this truth that we see in God's word, that God has sent his son. And so even though we might have celebrated this joyous truth for for more years than we would like anyone to know, uh, let's not this year let that uh, impact us. Yes, we will be turning to familiar passages of scripture, maybe. We will be singing familiar songs to us, maybe, yes. But don't let that familiarity lead you to apathy at the heart of the story. Rather, can I invite you as we turn to God's word to hear his story and we are turning to the word, the word made flesh, this as we turn to God's word, this living, active, spirit inspired, eternal word. This is good news for us. It was the first time we heard it. It was the 27th time we heard it. It is still good news for us as we celebrate this season. And so we are hearing the very heart of God here as we turn to his story. Um, but, and maybe actually, maybe this is a relatively new story for you as we turn to the Bible passage and, and, and nativity as it's played out for us in Scripture. Um, maybe you're familiar with the nativity plays or some Christmas movies, but actually the, the biblical truth is it might be relatively fresh for you. And so my invitation for you over the next couple of weeks is to join us and discover the glorious world-changing events that we choose to celebrate this, this season. But and getting back to that question that I posed right at the beginning about how you're feeling as you head into this season, and we can indeed feel many things about Christmas time. And, and as we journey through the next few weeks in our Advent teaching series, it may, it may seem like we're going to be focusing on feelings a lot. We're going to be dealing with four main things. And these four things have been highlighted for us in this little book, um, The Ultimate Christmas Wishlist. Uh, please do pick up a copy outside if you would like one. But the four themes that Rico Tyson, that book, looks at are these. Hope. Peace, purpose, and confidence. Sorry, that doesn't, it's not clicking on, Andy. Would you just click the next arrow? Um, Hope, peace, purpose, confidence. That might feel to us like we're going to be thinking and talking a lot about feelings. But but as we think of these four themes, uh, and by the way, we we are using those themes to then turn to God's Word and what God's Word has to teach us about hope, peace, purpose, and confidence. And as we think about those four things, it might seem like those four things would be a great Christmas wish list, as Rico tries to explain. Maybe we could even say that that all we would want for Christmas is those four things. Now, if I start by all we want for Christmas, some of you might start to break out in spontaneous song, um, but all we want for Christmas might seem like, well, all we want is hope, peace, purpose, confidence. Those seems, things seem lacking in my life or certainly in the world, whereas what we will see clearly from Scripture is when it comes to the biblical account of Christmas, these things, hope, peace, purpose, and confidence, they're not just emotions that we conjure up in and of ourselves, no. They are truly and fully and only found in Jesus Christ. And so what we'll see this Advent is not all I want for Christmas is these things. What I hope we will see as we examine Scripture is all we need for Christmas. In fact, all we need for all of our lives is Jesus. Jesus is what we truly need and want, and and what we truly need this year, as every year, as in every day. And so as we truly discover the the story of Christmas, we're going to see how we can have hope because of Jesus, how we can know purpose because of Jesus, how we... Can have, oh sorry, how we can know peace because of Jesus, how we can, we, we can have purpose because of Jesus and confidence because of him. And so this morning we're going to begin by thinking about hope. And so hope is an interesting topic. As, as Jonathan has already said, we're going to, we, we talk about hope a lot, uh, as Jonathan said, maybe it is hope about the weather, hope about circumstances, hoping that the Amazon guy comes in time, hoping that, hoping that things uh, go the way we plan, hoping that that person likes that present and I'll, I'll return the links Africa. Um, hoping that the paycheck stretches, hoping that the kids behave themselves, hoping we, we can hope for loads of things for ourselves. And maybe actually we could hope for other people too. And I know that even this week, um, I've been sending messages that say things like, I hope you feel better soon. I, I hope things improve. I hope that circumstance works out. Okay. I hope the results go the way that you plan. I hope that the house sale goes through. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Uh, And so hope is a good thing. We hope for quite a lot, it would seem. But I wonder if you've noticed that the number of times that we say hope and the things that we hope for are are things that we can have relatively little certainty about. We we can't predict the weather. We can hope that it's going to be good. We can't predict it. We can't predict whether, and um, we can't plan that the delivery will arrive on time, that the response to that gift will be what we hope for, the results for the test will be the way we... We, we, can't, we can't be certain about these things. Uh, and I suppose the way we use the word hope, it, it does make us feel like we're, we're hoping for things that we wish for, that we long for. Jonathan's already explained that. And, and that's not bad. I'm not saying that we shouldn't use hope in that way. But it's just not the same as the type of hope that we see the Bible describe has come at Christmas. It's not the same type of hope that God gives. You see, the the focus of the real hope in the Bible is not just about our circumstances, which we often have no control over. When the Bible speaks about hope, it is often in in the source of that hope, the object of our hope. In, In other words, this hope that we speak of at Christmas is about who our hope is in. Who our hope is in. And, and that means that hope in, at Christmas time is not just this intangible thing that we, that we can't be sure of. No, rather, as is the title of a recent Christmas praise piece has put it, hope, biblically, hope has a name. And that name is Emmanuel. That name means God with us. That name is Jesus Christ. And so what does it mean? Thank you very much. What does it mean for us to have hope in Jesus? That's what we're going to think of this morning. And why does Christmas time show us that wonderful hope? Well, I think we can answer that question. Why and how can we have hope in Jesus? By looking at what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus is. If our hope is to be in him, then who is he and what has he done that gives us that hope, that we can have that lasting hope. And what I would love to do is to read with us through Matthew 1, 18 to 25. And we're going to see here, what the names that are mentioned here teach us about who Jesus is and how those names can give us hope and ground us in hope. So Matthew 1, 18 to 25. And here we're going to see the angel visiting Joseph to explain what is going on and what needs to happen next. And So let me read these verses with us. Matthew 1, beginning of verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. And as we think about hope, as we think about the significance of the names in this passage, it hangs on verse verse 21, doesn't it? Verse 21 shows us so much about why we can have hope in Jesus and why his coming at Christmas is so significant and life-changing for us. Verse 21, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That, that, that's why Jesus gives us hope. See, Jesus' name, name means something. And the very foundation, it is the very foundation of the hope that he brings. And what does his name mean? Well, the, the angel said you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And you see, in the original language, the name Jesus is the Greek version of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord saves so essentially the angel has come to Joseph and say, you're to give your son the name the Lord saves because he will save his people from their sins. And so Jesus means that he will save because Jesus came to save. That's why he came. Later on in his, in his adult life, Jesus would say something to that effect. In Luke 19 verse 10, he said, for the son of man, speaking of himself, came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to save. And therefore, we can hope in him because we can hope in the God who saves. This is what gives us hope at Christmas. And this is why hope is so much more than just an emotion that we can wish for. No, this is sure and solid, as we'll see in a few minutes. Jesus came to save, and therefore, we can hope in him because he is the God who saves. But but, but what does that saving mean? mean, why do we need to be saved and why does Jesus achieve? Why does what he achieved then give us that hope? Well, as we're told in, in Matthew one twenty one, he will save the, his people from their sins. And, and as many of us know, the Bible teaching about sin is that every human being is infected with this curse. And this curse separates us from God. It is rebellion against God. And we have inherited that from the very first human beings, Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 where they chose to turn from God's good way and follow their own path and reject the joyous relationship which he had created them for. And so God, who is the ultimate being of purity and holiness and justice and righteousness, therefore he cannot tolerate sin. And so as the authoritative ruler of all of the universe, he rightly and justly judges sin. Because he knows not only the offense it causes to him, but the harm that it does to people and to people with one another. And so as, as sinful human beings, we, we can't enjoy relationship with God without his saving work. We can't. We, we are ultimately cast out from his presence in this life where we live without his goodness and for the life to come where we live being punished for the sin that we carry. And, 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 and so this, this sounds dreadful. Uh, and it is dreadful. There should be no no sugar coating of the state of the human heart before it knows the salvation of God, and the gravity of of our of our lostness and the effect of our sin and the ultimate penalty of our sin is is hidden within what it means to be saved. That Greek term, sozo, that, that, it, the, the English doesn't quite do justice to what that truly means. It can be rescued, delivered. It, it could be translated as set free from or, or, or preserved safely from something. There, there's, there's a real depth to that rescue because what we're being rescued from is dire. And so Jesus came to save from that. He came to save us from our sins, save us from the judgment of that sin. And so Jesus, whose name means the Lord saves, he came to save his people from their sins. And this is why Jesus is the source of our hope. And this is why it's so crucial for us to put our hope in him. Not just at Christmas time, but for our whole lives. And so hope has a name and that name is Jesus because Jesus means the Lord saves so we can have hope in the God who saves. There there are two other aspects that I want to draw out from this passage in Matthew and they're to do with names again. And these names show us something about how we can have hope in this great God because the names reveal to us something majestic about God's salvation plan. Firstly, the the way that the angel addresses Joseph. And then the second one that we'll look at, the final one, is Emmanuel taken from Isaiah's prophecy. And so we've seen Jesus, the Lord saves. We're going to have a look at Joseph and how the angel addresses him. And then Emmanuel will be the third one that we look at. In verse 20, then, we see the angel address Joseph. The angel comes to Joseph in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home. Joseph, son of David. And it would be easy for us to to miss the importance of that title. But it is significant because it shows us something incredible about the God who is enacting his plan to save his people. You see, the term son of David casts our minds to the great royal lineage of King David. King David, who was this wonderful king. Now, he had his faults, absolutely. But he was a wonderful king in the history of Israel who reigned about a thousand years before Jesus was born. And he was used by God in many ways to bring peace and prosperity and stability to God's people, Israel. But more significantly than that, God promised David in 2 Samuel 7 that someone from David's line would be God's everlasting king, that he would give this, this descendant of David an everlasting kingdom. Indeed, that he promised that he would be the Messiah, the Savior. And this king then has been waited for, this king has been anticipated for hundreds of years. And so now the angel to address Joseph as the son of David. It automatically places our minds. Okay, we are talking about the hereditary line of David. Indeed, it's why Matthew has spent the first 17 verses of his gospel showing the genealogy of Jesus. Which ends with the, 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 that um, Joseph was the, the earthly father of Jesus. And now, of course, the angel is, is addresses Joseph as Joseph the son of David. See, God here, what we're supposed to see through this detail is that God here is working out his salvation plan. So he told, he promised David that someone from your line would be my promised king, my forever king. And now, as the angel addresses Joseph, He's saying, son of David, the line has come. God's salvation plan has been worked out. Yes, a lot of time has passed, but one thing has not changed, and that has been God's faithfulness to working out his salvation plan. And so what we can learn and how we can have hope here is because we can have hope in a God who keeps his promises. A thousand years might have passed, but God hasn't forgotten God hasn't wavered. God has been at work constantly bringing history to bear now so that he can then enact in the person of Jesus his wonderful salvation plan. And so we can know from this wonderful truth that when God says something, he will promise, He will fulfill that. And when, that, when we then think and combine that with what we've seen, that Jesus is the one who saves then when Jesus says that he will save, he will save. When Jesus has said and claims that he has saved us, he will. We can, we can as Stephen Whitworth would say, he, we can take that to the bank. That is a secure promise. And so when we read wonderful verses like John three sixteen, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life, that is a solid truth that we can, we can build our lives upon, our whole eternity upon, because we can have hope in the God who keeps his promises. God has said that that will be the case. And so if we turn to Jesus, if we receive his offer of forgiveness, if we receive the salvation that he has come to give us, then we can have the hope, the secure hope in eternal life in Christ. And so we can have hope because we trust in the God who saves. And we can have hope because we believe in the God who keeps his promises. Jesus, the Lord saves joseph son of david and the final name that we're going to pick up on as i said is taken from isaiah 7 14 which recorded for us here in verse 22 and 23 all of this this is matthew now narrating back into the story all of this took place to fulfill what the lord had said through the prophet and and isn't that a hint again to our, our previous point God keeps his promises. He had promised this to Isaiah, but 700 years before this event, 300 years after King David, God had promised this. And now this is coming to fulfill. Jesus is coming to fulfill all that had been said through the prophet. And what had been said through the prophet, verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so if we focus on this prophecy for just a second, the son that would be born of the virgin would be called Emmanuel. And now, of course, those of us familiar with the Christmas story and seeing all of this unfold with the beauty of hindsight, we again might miss the enormity of what God is saying here. So a thousand years previously, God had promised to King David an everlasting king would come from your line. Then Isaiah's prophecy in 700 years before Christ, that God will come, Emmanuel will come, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And then we flick forward a couple of hundred pages in our Bibles and see Jesus stepping into human history as was always planned. And not only should we stand back and wonder at the majesty of how God has been working out his plan, wonder at the the, the beauty of God's word, which he has knit together perfectly, telling one story across humanity, Um, Humanity's history as he has been working things through. But then we need to grapple with this reality of Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. See, God prophesied to Isaiah that even then he knew, as had been his plan for all time, of course, he knew that he would step in. God with us, Emmanuel would come. God knew that the only way to deal with sin, the only way to redeem a people for himself was for him to do something. Even though he was the one who we rejected, he's the one that we turned from. Yet he's the one who graciously and miraculously comes among us. He steps into our mess and he comes in the person of Jesus so that he will save his people from their sins. This is a a wondrous story. And I don't say story as in some kind of make-believe fairy tale. No, this is the story that we are invited to be part of. This is God's story. And in many ways, God with us, Emmanuel, doesn't make sense to us. Sure, it doesn't. It's certainly not how we react when we are wronged. We're often not the very first ones to take the initiative to make things right, even when we're the innocent party who's wronged. No, but as we've been celebrating recently, I've been looking through Philippians 2, that's the wonder of the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? That Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, and he became in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, this is God with us, Emmanuel. The God who came to save. And as I said, we see this so wondrously, don't we, in John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. From John 1.1, 1, 1, we know that the Word was with God and the Word was God. This is God made flesh dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, the Word becomes flesh, dwells among his people that he created. And as he did, he displayed fully grace and fully truth. Jesus, Emmanuel, we can have hope in the God who comes to us. God stepping into his creation, perfectly God, but fully human. Living the sinless life on this earth and then dying the death that we should pay as penalty for our sin. And he did all of that so that he would save. So that we could be saved. This is this is hopeful. This is why we can have hope. This is the basis of Christian hope. This is what we celebrate every day, but primarily when we think of Jesus stepping in, that word becoming flesh. As we'll see in a moment as we gather around the table, he came in order to die so that we would be saved. And of course, as we know, and as we've said regularly recently, it feels like we can never tire of the reality that that the Christian story doesn't stop at the cross. Jesus rose from the dead, is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that how the song continues in Philippians 2? He is now seated at the right hand of the Father so that he doesn't just give us hope by dying in our place and taking the penalty of sin. He also gives us hope by securing the eternal future for us. He has ultimate power and authority over sin and death and therefore we can have hope, a hope that will never perish, spoil, or fade as we read in 1 Peter. This is good news. This is hope and this is hope. His name is Jesus. And so f- from all these names, Jesus, the Lord saves, Joseph, son of David, Emmanuel, God with us, we're shown the joyous hope that came down at Christmas, the hope that Jesus comes to bring, the hope that he continues to offer, the hope that all of us can turn from sin, trust in him as our Lord and Savior, and therefore know his leading and, our, and his guiding along our every day of our lives. Jesus, who is our hope we can have hope in the god who saves hope in the god who keeps his promises hope in the god who comes to us and so so this christmas i, I wonder in the midst of all of the hoping that we can do for some of those slightly more everyday things, hoping for those presents, hoping for good weather, hoping the family all get on, hoping the kids behave well, hoping, 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 all of those things. I, I pray that as we hope for all of those things, good as they may be, that we see the true hope of Christmas. We see that hope is found in Jesus Christ. He is the one who saves. He is the, 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 the son who proves God's faithfulness to his promises. He is the one who shows and demonstrates God with us. Emmanuel, the God who saves, the God who keeps his promises, the God who comes to us. This is who we celebrate. This is hope. And I pray that you know that. Not Not as alongside the twinkles, but you know it in your heart. You know the security of the hope that is in you in Christ Jesus. Let's turn to pray as we finish. Father, we thank you Thank you for Christmas. Thank you, God, for the opportunities that this time of year does give us to spend time together with family, with friends, spend time, uh, get some time off work and all of the things, Father. We, We enjoy all of those good gifts and we thank you for them. But, Lord, we recognize that all of that is only possible because this time of year and this season is about celebrating you, celebrating hope, celebrating the God who comes to us. Celebrating Jesus Christ taking on human flesh, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so as we celebrate Christmas rightly, we do so, Father, recognizing also at the same time the wonder of Easter, the death of your Son on the cross for us, his rising from the grave, his ascension into heaven, the life eternal that he has won for us. Father, all of those things, this is one story that speaks to us of hope and his hope in Christ that we can know. And so, Father, I pray for those of us who have put our hope in you. I pray, Father, that you would make us aware again and awaken us to the joy and the reality of that hope. Father, that we would praise you and thank you for you alone deserve it. And God, I I pray that as, as carriers of that hope then, Father, would you help us to clearly and boldly proclaim that hope to those who may not know it yet, those who, Father, we know and hold so dear. God, would you help us to faithfully and at every opportunity give a reason, be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Father, for those who are here, maybe listening, Father, who don't know you yet, who know, know of you, but maybe don't know you as the source and, and the focus and the foundation of the hope of their lives, Father, I pray that you would indeed step in, that you would show, Father, the wonderful salvation plan that you offer, forgiveness from sin, when we come to you in repentance and faith and confess our sins before you. And then, Lord, as we live as you, with you as our Savior, and, Lord, how you bring life, and life in all its fullness and life for all eternity. Thank you, Father, for Christmas. Thank you that we can indeed have true and lasting hope because we know you as the God who saves we know you as the God who is faithful in keeping his promises. We know you as the God who comes to us. And so I pray that you would, you would fill our hearts with the reality and the truth of those wonderful things. And it is for your name and, in, and for your glory that we pray. Amen.